What's happening? Tuesday, September 21st, 2021. I have been, I'd say, one to two days absent. I didn't get a show in on Friday or Monday. It was a it was a bit of a surprising weekend. Everything's good. Just had a lot to do. And there's a lot to talk about. It's I don't know. It's hard to gauge what's interesting for you in the audience. So what I do is I just decide I don't care and focus on what's interesting to me and hope it aligns with what interests you. I hope a little bit. Like I said, I only care a little bit about that. If I start caring too much, I'm going to customize the show for like two dudes I know at a bar. And that could be really good. Maybe I'll do one show every month based on interests I hear from some drunk guy at the bus station. That could be that could be actually a very relevant show. I don't know. Um, but I'm going to start with a story that's been cover to cover, cable news, O.J. Simpson-like tabloid ripped from the pages of the Inquirer circa your grocery store aisle 1988. We'll talk about that. That's the Gabby Petito saga and her psycho beta band member boyfriend. You know, we'll, we'll I'll do an update on that, throw some perspective your way. You can probably tell by the tone of my voice how much that story has compelled me the last couple of weeks. We'll talk about Biden's latest tear through a record-breaking first year as president of the United States, I, I don't think I've known somebody from a results-oriented measurement who is a bigger loser in their first year on any job. I mean, you can't you can't imagine hiring somebody for any kind of professional job, and you figure they're not going to be perfect. So you give them 10, 10 goals to achieve in their first year, and if they were only to achieve one or two, you'd probably fire them. What if they didn't achieve any of them? And we'll we'll cover that as we update you on Biden's stacks of losses in the last few days since I, I last talked to you last Thursday. COVID's getting better, even though I've said it before. The numbers, it's really weird. Before you look at the CDC tracking numbers, make sure you don't count a number until two or three days after it's reported because it seems to almost double every time. So if you go on there... And you see on September 15th that there was 65,000 national cases. You're like, wow, that's trending way down. And then on the 17th or 18th, it pops back up to 120,000. Is that shady? I don't know. Good news is, is even after a few days, there are two recorded days of numbers that are better. We'll talk about that. We're going to talk about the Arizona Maricopa County, specifically the county where Phoenix is, uh, audit. That is actually the reports coming out this Friday. Now, if it's delayed again, if it isn't released Friday, I'll never talk about anything related to that fucking election again. And I will label every scumbag schmuck douche involved in that recount and others a total loser to the level of Joe Biden. I'm done with it. If they don't really... I don't I don't want to hear about anybody getting COVID. I don't want everybody having some sort of testicular issue, right? Somebody who has a limp, they get gout, they have an allergic reaction. It won't matter to me. I don't care if the hearing is held up at gunpoint. They need to release that damn report and there better be something measurable and demonstrative in it. If not, they're still going to be losers because they wasted a lot of money. Now, 
I didn't have any indication of it possibly being worthwhile until today after I read something, and we'll talk about it, an actual leaked recording of one of the Maricopa County supervisors, that board of supervisors, Republican and otherwise, there are some Republicans on there. They have been fighting this because it's beyond politics if you get caught screwing something up that they may have screwed up, such as a national presidential election. We'll talk about also Joe Biden at the U.N., I don't know if he's there. I don't know if, you know, it's he did the G7 thing last week where he forgot the Australian prime minister's name. Now he's talking to the UN about things that Americans don't care about. That if you look at polls, the issues that Joe Biden addressed the world on are not priorities for Americans. He doesn't know that. He's an idiot. He's senile. But they're trying to steer away from the fact that we found out, and we'll open with this issue, that Joe Biden killed 10 civilians, if I think the number's correct, at least 10, in that two ISIS member drone strike that he supposedly greenlit after the Afghanistan debacle took off and after the Taliban was moving in and ISIS-K pulled off that homicide bomb attack that killed 13 Americans, 13 service members, and dozens and dozens of innocent Afghanis. So we found out that Joe Biden, the military, which is led by complete academic losers, PhDs who, like General Milley, have never been in combat, they had to come out and finally admit that that strike that we thought was a dud because it probably killed two low-level ISIS foot soldiers. No, no, it's worse than that. We killed kids. We did a drone strike that killed children and a family based on some poor guy loading water into the back of his truck. And our intelligence community, air quotes, decided that that was something dangerous. And this was an over the horizon, basically not eyes on intel. These guys were going off bad sources. They greenlit a drone strike and ruined the lives of so many people. There is, there's been no apology. They, they, marched out the CENTCOM commander, who's actually the top guy in charge. Remember, Milley, as the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, has no command power. He's the top advisor of the Joint Chiefs. So he's the top advisor to the president and is the highest ranking member of the military, but he actually doesn't have anybody in a command. He, he would have before the whole Black Hawk Down Somali incident. And that was all changed after that disaster under one Bill Clinton because the command structure was so convoluted, so confusing, poorly set up. And if you remember seeing the movie or if you read the book, it's excellent. It's The movie's great, but the, the book is even better, as in most cases, um, unless you're talking Game of Thrones. The books are shit. The show is pretty good until the last season, but the books are worse than reading something from J.R. Tolkien. I mean, the guy's description, I mean, he'll talk you through somebody tying their boots for like four pages in a Game of Thrones book, bypass it, go straight to the show, and maybe not bother watching the last season because the ending was lame. Bad writers took over. But nonetheless, Black Hawk Down's a great book, and there's a scene captured well in the movie where the helicopters and the um, uh, that were monitoring the evacuation of all the um, of all the soldiers were um, 
were unable to get directions down to the Humvees in time. And so they tell them to turn right at the next block. By the time it went through all the different links, it was too late to make that right turn. That was just one example of how poor the command structure was. Back then, the Joint Chiefs were not just the political side of military advising, advisement, but they were actually in the command structure. And as I understand it, if I remember correctly, after that incident, they changed it. It was changed probably, if I remember, by Congress. Like, hey, we need the advisors to not be involved in command decisions. So the U.S. CENTCOM, the general who I'm not even interested in knowing his name, he comes out and he makes this apology, basically says in his own way, hey, you know, we we screwed up. And that was the end. They don't want to talk about it anymore. And it's totally gruesome. It was stupid. And the media reported it a little bit. And they've moved on, but there has definitely been a tone change. I mean, if you know... Chuck Todd, who if I'm, he's on NBC, and I think he does what Rush used to call Meet the Depressed, Meet the Press, the Sunday morning show, which I think five or six people watch. Chuck Todd, who is, I mean, when a Democrat is president, especially when it was Barack Obama, his whole job is to cheerlead. He's run out of cheerleading options for Biden. He's like, basically, in a hopeful way, said, you know, he's got to turn it around. I mean, there's nothing they can say positive about Joe Biden right now because the guy's O for everything. He can't get anything done. He can't even, and we'll talk about this now, get that infrastructure bill that was going to be about $3.5 trillion. And it looks like, I mean, we're talking from Politico. So this is a, Politico is part of the Democrat operation in DC. And today they re- release a news piece titled Dems Fear Biden's domestic agenda could implode. Well, I hope so, because his domestic agenda is trash. We would be in serious trouble long term if this $3.5 trillion infrastructure deal were to pass. And they get into some of the details in this article on Politico if you want to look it up. But it opens internal Democratic discord, meaning Joel Manchin from West Virginia and Kristen Sinema from Arizona continue to be a major headache for party leadership's $3.5 trillion target. I mean, Manchin's not budging on this. He's the one that a couple weeks ago called for a pause because Bernie Sanders and the far left, which is pretty much most of the of the other senators, right? So Cinema and Manchin are two of the 50 senators that hold the majority of the Senate. Why 50? Because they own the vice presidency. When there's a 50-50 tie, The vice president, Sweet Kamala, is the deciding vote. That's why the Democrats in the Senate, even though it's 50-50, control all of the committees, as they do in the House, because they have a majority. So they have that power. But 50-50 is extremely delicate, because all it takes is a moderate like Manchin or Sinema, and they truly are. They truly are what the Democrats should be in total. Those two are not playing ball, right? I mean, Sinema is from Arizona. Right. If I remember correctly, of the two Senate seats from Arizona, Kristen Cinema has John McCain's old seat. As much as I don't like how McCain conducted himself in his latter years, it is a moderate seat. It's not something for the likes of an AOC or a senator like Diane Feinstein or if you remember Barbara Boxer or big liberals like that. So Cinema knows her constituency. She's not a left left winger. She is the one. If you remember back during one of the Trump State of the Unions, where all the heroes and the Braves and the Stunnings 
uh, on the left, the women wore all white dresses. I can't remember what the reasoning was. I just remember thinking it was stupid. So we'll just say the reasoning was stupid. Cinema, who's more attractive than all of them, she's attractive, period. I mean, saying you're more attractive than a leftist liberal female doesn't tell me enough. Okay, I mean, I've seen cups of melted ice cream that are more attractive than most of the liberal feminists that I've seen. So saying that Kristen Cinema is more attractive than that group doesn't tell me enough. I'm going to assume it doesn't tell you enough. Google Kristen Cinema. She is very attractive, very confident. And if you want to talk about somewhat courageous, she's the only one at that State of the Union address a couple years ago that wore pink. I mean, she didn't just hide. She didn't just not wear white. She wore something that looked pretty damn good, and she stood, and she was the only one that stood and cheered the troops when Donald Trump talked about them. So all of the women you know that like to talk about the brave wearers of white, or we should call them the white walkers, because we've already talked about Game of Thrones, so tie that in, those white walkers who sat and decided they were going to contribute that night by just sitting there and looking bitchy, They didn't stand for the troops. So all their talk about supporting the military and wanting to help the military, anytime they say that, we know it's bullshit. But so the moderates like Cinema and the two main ones in the Senate, Cinema and Manchin, are not playing ball. And the fight continues because Bernie Sanders, in this expansion, this 3.5 trillion monstrosity, Sanders wants to expand Medicare, right? Universal government-run health care is his legacy goal. It's the only reason he hasn't retired to his million-dollar vacation home, right, Mr. Man of the People. And Politico's interviewing Democrats on the Hill who are not even able to pretend to be confident that they can get anything done. So remember, this $3.5 trillion package is the budget. So it's not just all of these all of these increases in this massive, big spending labeled infrastructure. It's the budget. It's what needs to be signed supposedly by October 1st, which is the beginning of the new government fiscal year. Like people that work for the post office, people that work for the mill. I mean, all of their payrolls are based on this. Now, of course, if they go past that, I'm drawing a blank on the term, but they can do what I believe is like a reconciliation and extend and vote to do like, you know, just a few hundred million, 500 million to fund the government a couple weeks at a time until the full budget is approved. Now, if the Democrats had their way, they'd get rid of the need for a 60 person vote and basically make it 50 50, but they need Manchin and Cinema to do that. And even other senators and people on the House say, boy, we do that now. We get rid of that 60 vote requirement, it could come back and bite us. Manchin said it and others too, because they know that they're not always going to be in power. The Democrats aren't always going to be in power. So if they make it so you don't need a 60 vote supermajority for something like this package, this $3.5 trillion craziness, that when it comes time for the Republicans to take over, which we hope is in a year, then they'll have the same opportunity with just 50 votes. If they have 53, 54 Things can get pretty powerful. So I'd be saying the same thing if it was reverse, especially for something like a budget. But Manchin especially talks about fiscal responsibility. And so there is a um, there is a real concern by the Democrats that they're going for this giant deal 
they're not going to get it. And the more they fight for it, the more guys like Sanders insist on the full monster that they might not, not have, end up with anything. And then it comes down to late this year when they need and they must get a budget to Joe Biden to sign, they'll end up playing into the hands of the Republicans. So it, it's pretty crazy. I mean, right now they only have a three-vote margin in the House and a 50-50 split in the Senate. Speaker Pelosi and Senate Majority Leader Schumer can't afford to alienate either wing of their fractious party. I mean, the Democrats are not united right now. Or the chances for either of Biden's signature domestic victories could evaporate altogether. Because the $3.5 trillion, as I understand it, is the combination of something like the American Families Plan and the budget. I mean, it's this whole giant thing they're trying to get in in one vote. And it's it's really bad timing for Joe Biden to try to put his signature on something this massive when he has a major, to quote the media right now, credibility issue. Duh. How can anybody say Joe Biden is going to do something? Joe Biden this, and expect an audience to believe that because Joe Biden says it can happen, that it's credible. He has nothing. He's delivered nothing. I mean, it would be better if he just delivered nothing. He's delivered the opposite of good in everything he's touched. So here we are after Afghanistan, after this crazy border issue I didn't mention in the opening, where we've got, we had up to what, 12,000 Haitians mostly under the international bridge on the Texas border. They're trying to fly people back. I mean, that they just ignored it and it kept getting worse. So he keeps getting worse on the border. They really don't know what to do. Right now, they've got 300 and something families with pregnant women. So there are couples where the woman's pregnant that are still living under that bridge. They're trying to take back all the individual males but at some point, they're going to bring a few thousand of these migrants into the country. And they're trying. It's it's pretty weird. Right now, Biden's people are out there saying, you shouldn't come. They 180 because they're scared now. They're scared of what the humanitarian crisis, what the cameras will be showing under that bridge if they don't start getting people out of there. They've already had cameras showing chaos and destruction in Afghanistan they got enough cameras trolling the streets of major cities with crime and homelessness and God knows what else goes on as the, the journalists try to step through human fecal matter. Right now, there are no good images for the Biden administration to, to get behind. So they don't. this is all political. They don't care about those people. They wish they could get them all in here and get them registered to vote. Keep that in mind. That open border strategy that they didn't talk about, that's what it's been. Now... You actually have people like the attorney general saying, we don't have open borders. I heard that today from someone on his, on his, in his administration. I don't think I've ever heard a Democrat in the last 10 years say we don't have open borders. They're not going to say we do, but I don't know if they ever say we don't. It's kind of a nod, nod, wink, wink. Just make sure you remember daddy when it comes voting time. Make sure we get all your kids registered too. That's the strategy, right? That's the nanny state. Get them dependent. Get them on all the social programs. You can count on them come November. But with this whole $3.5 trillion and everything going on, Manchin has been the most outspoken Democrat, according to Politico, and he has, publicly asking for a pause on the big spending bill with inflation rising. Today, the dollar is not worth as much as it was yesterday. Now, that's, that's economics as it is. But 
because of what's going on, because of the expense of everything, the supply chain issues, everything you pay for today is more expensive than it should be. Gas, milk, groceries. They had somebody in the Department of Agriculture try to sell against that. It was last week saying, well, if you take out the price of beef, poultry, dairy, goes down a list of like major agricultural supplies. If you take that out of the equation, inflation's not bad. Again, they think you are idiots. They think we're stupid. They thought that would fly. They have nothing they can say because when life gets more expensive day to day for people, that's the beginning of economic disaster. That's the beginning of consumer confidence going away. People stop spending. Businesses start struggling. Unemployment rises. You see where it goes? It all starts somewhere. We've already got enough stones thrown in the economic waters to create ripples that would give any good economist nightmares. And so printing more money in some uber omnibus massive bill veiled as infrastructure is a terrible idea. The Democrats don't care. You know there's free money in there. You know there's a little stimmy check for the low end of the totem pole for people trying to incentivize them to vote for them. They're they're fearing next year like you wouldn't believe. And Biden wants to desperately get a political win. That's why he's out selling climate change at the United Nations, talking about how we are going to, as what the Washington Post says, double aid for vulnerable nations dealing with climate change. A proposed $11.4 billion in annual U.S. financing. Now, what does $11.4 billion in annual U.S. financing really mean? It means your taxpayer dollars. And again, you talk to an accountant, you talk to a CPA, who knows what's going on with who pays taxes and who doesn't. I mean, like 80% of Americans don't pay taxes. They'd end up not paying any. So you have people voting to spend your money because they don't give a shit because it's not theirs. Those are the voter, that's the voting base of the left. So Biden's out there. And remember, it's it's worse than COVID because climate change has been around forever. And I do I I don't like to throw around hoax. And I'm not saying we want to hurt the environment or pollution's a problem, but the government involvement in fighting climate change is the biggest hoax racket, I think, in the history of the United States. Because this has been going on for, what, 40 years? They've been telling us the world's going to end, and now Biden today, addressing the UN, said something to the effect of, we are in imminent danger. And he kind of said, for real. He had to say some kind of qualifier afterwards because even the people who wrote the speech realized that Al Gore said it and Beto O'Rourke said it. Everybody said it for decades that we've got 10 more years, that we got five more years. We're all still sitting here. And in some states, you had major heat waves while in others, you had major cool summers. No one wants to talk about that. Where you've got icebergs melting. In other parts of the world, you have icebergs expanding. No one wants to talk about that part. So we have this entire hoax going on. And a question that Tucker Carlson asked tonight, which I loved, was when has any government climate change policy taken power away from the government? 
Like, when have they ever voted to do something or spent money, your money, to do anything that doesn't expand the power of government? That's a rhetorical question, ladies and gentlemen, because they never, ever have. Every time they propose something to fight climate change, it never has a net effect. It never results in anything that positively affects climate. Some regulations have, emissions, things like that. Those were not taxpayer-funded, or as Biden says, $11.4 billion in annual U.S. financing, your dollars, to help, quote, support the countries and people that will be hit the hardest. He's not even talking about us. He's talking about money laundering. Who knows where that $11.4 billion is actually going to go? Who knows what it's actually going to be for? You think it's going to be for clean water? You think it's going to be like helping the dolphins? Whatever shit the left thinks they want to tell themselves when they vote for this, it's not their money. And the people on the left who do pay taxes, most of them are elite, uber-wealthy scumbags. They're like, whatever. I know how to donate enough to charity and get around having to pay too many taxes. But those of us in the middle class, this is our financing. We're financing this. It's not even our country. It never, it never benefits us anyway. So to get us not thinking, to get the world not thinking the U.S. are complete losers, because that right now the United Nations looking at Joe Biden and going, hey, dude, you better start spending some money on us because we're we're the United Nations. We're also a hoax organization. We're only formed to help the Star Wars bar-looking governments, right? I mean, they've helped pedophiles in parts of the country. They've had pedophiles in their ranks in Pakistan, okay? They are totally corrupt. They are... They have a human rights committee with countries like Iran and China on it. No one should be paying attention to the United Nations. We really are the only reason they're upheld. We bankroll it. Now we're going to give them more money. So that whole group, that whole Star Wars looking bar sitting there looking at Joe Biden trying to read a teleprompter today is looking to get paid because the U.S. is weak. Nobody, nobody thinks we're worth a damn right now. I don't. I I don't think our word means anything. I think countries like Taiwan should be afraid of countries like China because of how we bailed on Afghanistan. I think if you're part of a terrorist organization, you're probably in good shape trying to get something done right now. You got a place to train. The Taliban will help you. And on a side note, watch the movie or read the book Lone Survivor just to remind yourself who the enemy is because in that failed operation where Marcus Luttrell was the only survivor, the Taliban are the guys hunting them down. They're the enemy. And it's a weird, surreal thing to watch that film to see them talking about how brutal the Taliban is and to know now that we handed them an entire country. Pretty horrifying. And what does Joe Biden want to talk about? He wants to talk about climate change, right? He doesn't want to answer questions because he didn't want to do that either. He never does. He wants to steer the issues to veil and mask the terrible problems and the terrible situation we are in in the United States. It's not going to work, right? I mean, the Washington Post will put an article out there and report that it happened, which they should do. But you look at any poll and you ask Americans what their priorities are. COVID's still towards the top. Afghanistan is in there. But the economy, because of inflation... Because people want better jobs, not just any job. The economy is still dominant. Getting back to some normal life, not a new normal, but the normal we had before, is a priority. People could give a shit, Joe, 
about anything going on climate-wise in a foreign country when they're struggling to pay bills, you out-of-touch, self-unaware dolt. And that goes to all the people that work for them. But they probably know it. They just are going to their old playbook. It's all they've got. It's the same stuff. It's why it's so easy to be a liberal. I've talked about it before. If you're liberal, you don't have to stand for anything. You just repeat the same bullshit, cliches about the climate, about racism, about sexism, about evil Republicans. Anything, anything that you don't like is a Republican conspiracy. Or how did Hillary say it? A vast right-wing conspiracy? Everything is. And now you have somebody like Joe Biden who's just going to go up there. He has no way to think on his feet, so he's just going to go back to the old stuff. And his entire administration is just one big cliche. And Nikki Haley, who I like, I don't think she's going to be a strong presidential candidate, but Nikki Haley, former member of Trump's cabinet, says Biden ignored threats in the UN speech that did not mention Russia or China. That's the big one. Guy gets up there, a moment to show some strength, and he's bought. He wouldn't talk about Russia. He wouldn't talk about China. He actually talked about, what did he say? Relentless diplomacy. Ooh, relentless diplomacy. I mean, that's like, it, that's like it, it's such a yogurt soft way of talking about anything. First of all, the, mo- the word you talk about, when we start talking about diplomacy, you, start, you have to be real careful. And I think there's a place where just know the word diplomacy starts sounding a bit like being a bitch when you start talking about it. It sounds a little surrendery coming from anybody. Because many times in history when we've gone for diplomacy in the beginning or for too long, we end up in a real problem, right? Peace in our time, Neville Chamberlain. Negotiating with the Nazis, diplomacy. Now we want relentless diplomacy. Ooh, now that gets all the PhDs, all the wine drinkers at Napa, super, super excited. Like in places they don't want to talk about at parties. Diplomacy diplomacy ooh joe relentless diplomacy what other adjectives can we put on there to make it more exciting when you just sound like you're being a bitch china and russia are not interested in diplomacy with anybody and they must be laughing their asses off like they have been for weeks at joe biden and he comes out there today afraid a scared old man afraid to talk about china or russia and talks about relentless diplomacy. No one knows what that means. All it, it sounds like really skinny dudes with high voices, which if you've heard some of these male spokespeople for the Biden administration, not one of them sounds like their balls have dropped. They don't. How come they all sound like the guy that punches my ticket at the movie theater, who's a teenager who hasn't gone through puberty yet? So it makes sense that his voice is a little bit high, or has a slight soprano tone to it. But these are grown men who look like they actually have to shave once in a while. And they all sound super beta. And those are the guys. That's, that's relentless diplomacy. Those are the ones, I've talked about it before, that never had a real job. They go to colleges, Ivy League, government, study political science, government policy. They get a PhD or some kind of extra waste of money, rich daddy degree. And then they go right immediately and work in Washington as a staffer because they want to help write policy and they like diplomacy and Trump 
and MAGA are all alpha warmongers and racists, and they know better. So they're going to go deal with Russia and China for us. They're going to get us peace in our time. It's incredible. Relentless diplomacy. That's what Joe Biden had today for the United Nations. And he coughed the whole time, which is not a show of strength. I'm sorry. You look ill. In the Asian culture, Joe Biden is a mark. He's a potential victim. There you have it. Um, before I forget, and I almost did, make sh- I got to make sure I'm putting a note here to close with what happened with this Sussman guy, because I got it in my notes, who's a former attorney for the Clinton campaign, who has been indicted, and, and we'll, we'll talk about here in a couple minutes, we'll talk about what's going on with him with the whole Russian collusion accusation. So give me a minute there. But moving on to what was the headline, I talked about this in the beginning everywhere for the last, what, two weeks, is this girl Gabby Petito, who died, and it looks like a homicide, which we all kind of knew, because you heard there was a police report where someone, I heard the call, somebody in some hipster market area, I think it was in Moab, and the guy on the phone, the, the, the dispatcher is asking this guy, because the person calls, I want to report a domestic, some domestic violence, and he goes, okay, where? And it was outside of something called the Moonflower Market, which you can imagine what that atmosphere is. It probably has like good soap, probably real nice people, probably smells questionable because there's, you know, not a lot of hygiene going on and a lot of armpit hair where it shouldn't be in those types of markets. But be that as it may, they are nice people usually. So the Moonflower Market parking lot is where this boyfriend scumbag allegedly slapped Gabby. So this bystander sees it and he keeps saying, he's like, what, the person, the dispatcher, where is this? Well, I saw him outside of Moonflower. Dude, quit name dropping a market like everybody on the phone and around you knows what the hell Moonflower is. I hate it when people do that, right? Name, name, name what it is afterwards, right? Don't just say the diamond. Say the diamond restaurant, the diamond social club, the diamond dispensary, the diamond market. Or if it's Moonflower, say what the frick it is afterwards, not just right outside of Moonflower. Might as well say, bro, dude, you're calling in a serious crime. You're calling in an assault that you witnessed and you can't even say market afterwards. You're too cool and too local. So he had to, I had to listen to that, wanted to punch the guy through the phone just for being a moron. Then the poor dispatcher finally figures out it's a market, dials it in. But it sounds like this guy was beating on her. Sounds like when the cops talked to her, she was apologetic. So she was totally battered, looked emaciated. There's video. And it just was a toxic situation. Great job, police, because they didn't read anything, and now the girl's dead. Um, Note to everybody who has a daughter, and I'm saying a daughter because it doesn't go the same for a son. But you look at this beautiful girl, and her parents didn't step in, and maybe she's legally an adult. I don't care. And allow your daughter to jump in a van and go cross country with a band with some loser psychopath, some bearded douchebag who can't hold down a real job, translation for person who drives across the country playing music, for nobody who wants to hear it, let alone pay to hear it. Because if you're any good, you wouldn't have to drive yourself, pal. They didn't have gigs. They were camping. They're doing this thing. And this guy was beating on her. And he finally killed her. Or maybe left her for dead in the Tetons, where locals say, if you don't have supplies with the animals and the terrain and how harsh it could be, anybody, somebody like Gabby, wouldn't last long. 
but they found her body. They know it's her based on tattoos and she's dead, deceased, gone, just remains. But this was the story. I wanted to cover it. This guy's on the run. Um, this boyfriend, the parents weren't cooperating, which I think is pathetic. I put myself in that same situation. And if my son or daughter, but if my son especially, were remotely suspected in murdering what looks to be a very innocent 22-year-old woman, as Brian Laundry did, then Landry, Laundry, whatever the parents' names, they should be cooperating. And if they knew something that could have led to the arrest of this guy who's now on the run, he's a person of interest, he is the main suspect, they're just saying that until they can arrest him and interview him, and they'll find him. He's probably trying to live out there. He's maybe has some outdoor wildlife skills and some swift water training and stuff like that. Maybe he can hold out for a while. He won't last long. Um, but they found the poor girl. This was a major story. I didn't really start trying to figure out what was going on. It was very confusing when I'd hear it on the radio in bits and pieces. But if you went to CNN, you went to Fox News, that was the main deal. And you look back now that we kind of know the whole story. I'm sorry, but this dude's a nutcase. After she was gone, neighbors describe him mowing the lawn. You know, and again, Brian Laundrie, when he was mowing the lawn, was it his own lawn of a home he owned or even rented? No, he lived with his parents. So let's go down the checklist, parents, moms, and dads of daughters. I don't care how sweet he is to you. If he's a narcissistic sociopath, he knows how to be sweet around you and people in public. Guy doesn't have a real job. Guy claims to be a musician, probably never played in front of a microphone that's plugged into a wall ever in his life, free or otherwise. Guy has a weird unkept beard. Check that off. It's weird. Probably doesn't smell good. Cool. Lives with his parents still. Doesn't have a real job. All these go down the list. Hey, mom, dad, I want to go across country with my boyfriend who we just heard a description of. Want to go across country and plays music with him. Disappear. Go live off the land. Hell no. If you go, you're cut off. You have no place to look back. Can we sit down though and talk about how psychotic this is? And if she still wants to go, then hey, dads, be an alpha for the first time in your life. Pull this guy aside. And if you have to get physical with no witnesses, you do it. Learn how to punch where you don't leave marks. Learn how to grab somebody by the hand and flex and do a wrist break. Not where you break it, but where you bend it, where you own the guy because he's skinny. Again, we go back to the list, lives at home, plays music, doesn't eat a lot, doesn't lift, hasn't seen exercise once in his life, built like a child, even though he's legally age a man. You, dad, should be strong enough, should be intense enough, or have friends like me who know how to get the boys together to sit this guy down and say, hey, listen, you put my friend's daughter in your van with you. You have about one mile before we start calling the cops and say things about you that you can't prove are not true. You understand? You won't make it. And if you somehow get past that, you're going to need to look over your shoulder the whole way because Uncle Daddy here is going to find you and I'm going to leave you for dead somebody somewhere with a great alibi because all these guys with me will back me up. I'm smarter than you because I'm employed, I've had a career, I've had a family, and there's nothing you can think of that I won't five minutes before you do. And you make it so that this guy has no interest in this girl. If she hates you for it, so what? She's a child. Yeah, she's 22. Any 22-year-old that wants to do this is still maturity-wise an infant. So don't be a pushover and let your kid get in a car with some dude that you don't know and disappear off into nowhere. Because she's too stupid and battered, as we've learned, to know how dangerous this is. Well, it's too late for that family. That's the only reason I wanted to talk about this is because there's a lesson to be learned here. And the press won't say it. 
because feminists would get upset. Well, guess what? She weighed like 90 pounds. There isn't anything she physically could do to a male or defend herself even to against a beta male in her life. She was asking to be a victim, emaciated, battered, and making excuses after the guy slapped her. So the police in Moab suck. Let's put them on the list. Do your job, cops, and read the situation. Yeah, she's 22. Police officers call parents and family members all the time and give them a heads up. Hey, there was a crime committed, alleged crime committed against your daughter. She's not making a statement, but we have witnesses say that she was hit by this guy. Give the dad a heads up. Give an uncle a heads up. All we need is a baseball bat and some gas. And the situation's handled. But no, everybody looks the other way. She's a free spirit. They say that a lot at funerals, and sometimes it's true. Somebody's a free spirit or she lit up the room. Guess what? Not everybody lit up a room, okay? But I'm sure they're going to say that at her memorial when they finally get her remains released and they bury this poor child. And they'll find this guy, and they'll give him a psyche valve, and they'll find out that he is probably a psychopath. And the problem with those guys is they know how to play the game. They know how to put on a face. Don't trust them. Start with not trusting a guy. I don't care where you know him from, church or whatever. It's your daughter, for God's sakes. Get into a 2012 Ford Ford Transit van. Turn it into a camper. Yeehaw, living the dream like a movie. Yeah, the wrong movie. Unbelievable. Well, the Arizona audit's going down. It's done. Apparently, there's a report coming Friday. And they've got a recording of Maricopa County Supervisor Steve Chukri, C-H-U-C-R-I, in this leaked recording, he's basically saying that the little audit they did initially was bullshit. That's his words. And they kind of got him, sounded like he was trying to basically stop this up the whole whole time. That he is definitely didn't want anything to happen. He was embarrassed that it did. He, he didn't, you know, these guys didn't want any kind of accountability with this. So, you know, um, we'll see if... This guy's words, if this guy, you know, who's been one of the most outspoken against the audit that was conducted by cyber ninjas and the Republican Senate, state Senate in Arizona, we'll see if this leaked video shows that Chukri and the supervisors of Maricopa County had something to hide. And he did say, and this is this is the crazy part, and this is what I wanted to hold on to. Not only did he say that the small-scale audit was BS, he said, I think this election he's talking about was done through dead people voting. I think it was multifaceted ballot harvesting. Those are his words on a tape. Ballot harvesting is not legal, but it's hard to prove. And that's basically people going around door-to-door, and with early voting, they don't have to wait till election day. And in some states, they can register you, but they ask you, did you get your ballot? Do you have your ballot? And they offer to help you fill it out. Guess who those people all are? They're always Democrat operatives. These aren't just nice volunteers that want you to vote. Get out, hashtag vote. No. Anybody really pushing you to vote, coming door to door, telling you to vote, wants you to vote for their guy, and they're typically Democrats. Look up ACORN if you remember that organization. I mean, these people want to be able to register you multiple times, just get your vote, take it from you, and cast it and submit it for you. That's basically what uh, harvesting is. But he said dead people voting, this guy. I mean, even if he's a Republican, I don't know what party he's affiliated with. These supervisors who oversaw these elections, this isn't just in Maricopa County, across the country, 
They don't want these audits because it's a big headache for them and it's their job if it finds something. So it's Tuesday. We might find out something Friday. But do you think I'm excited about it? Take a guess. No. I'm not betting on it just like I didn't bet on anything going our way with the actual recall vote, which was total crap. They overcompensated, which guys on the left tempedly, you know, typically have a lot of compensating, if you know what I mean. They overdid it with their operation. I don't think they needed to win by 60 plus percent, but they were scared enough to try. And um, so I'm, I am wondering, I am wondering what's going to happen Friday. There are other states after visiting Arizona, like Pennsylvania, like Wisconsin, after visiting and seeing the operation, and I'm assuming getting a look at some of the things they had that have initiated their own forensic audits at home. Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, to name two of them that I know of. Again, I'm not going to get excited. I'm just wanting you to let, I want to let you know, and I'll put it in the written update for the episode that this report, and it better come out, like I said before, is scheduled to be released Friday. Fingers crossed. I'm willing to do that, but I'm not putting any hope into it. Going to wait and see with the most open mind I I possibly can. Moving on to Jen Psaki. Um, The White House spokesperson talked about the Chinese relationship and, quote, said China is a competitor, but it's not a country we want to have conflict with. Well, of course not. We don't want conflict with them. Well, what if they bring conflict to us, Jenny, right? And she's pretty upset um, and was taken aback by somebody named Gail King, who is a, an anchor person on CBS Mornings. And she said there's a lot of incoming. The, the left, she's a leftist. She's with CBS. They're choosing their words carefully when they criticize Biden. But she said, we're still getting hammered for how the withdrawal from Afghanistan happened. She says, we mean the United States, and we should be getting hammered. Everybody knows, many many people believe it was time, meaning it was time to leave. It's just the way it was done. Yeah, duh, Gail. The, The way it was done was pretty crappy. If I'm watching a football game and someone says, it's time to leave, it's not a good idea to just leap off the top rail. If I'm sitting up in the nosebleeds and you said it was time to leave, well, how I leave matters, right? Plummeting down into a parked car to my death in horrifying fashion is not the way to go. Yeah, I wanted to leave. I just chose the wrong way. I did it poorly. That's what I feel like when people point out the obvious about Afghanistan. Duh. (laughs) The guy who leapt leapt from 10 stories who wanted to leave the building did it wrong. <laughs> we did it wrong in Afghanistan. I think we did it about about the same way as a, as a metaphor jumping off of a building into a parked car. But she went on to say, you look at France now, and that was a big one. Last week, I didn't mention it. After that, you know, sit down with Australia and the G7, we came out, without, with, came out with some nuclear sub sharing deal, information sharing with Australia and Macron the president of France was livid, pulled ambassadors out of the United States. I mean, the dude who wants to be friends with the left so bad, wants everything to be a socialist utopia, has actually moved to the right over recent years because of COVID and violence and Antifa-like things and now potential terrorism in places like France that have had terrible terrorist attacks. 
Macron is pissed because of that sub deal with Australia. I mean, this is not a good move. And there we go. Foreign policy, right? Biden, he can't check a box to save his life. And so, yeah, Gail King says, so I get that we have to look forward, but what are we doing to justify or explain what appears to be very bad behavior on our part? This total disaster of a presidency, the best she could say is very bad behavior. When Trump was a Nazi dictator for having a phone call, these people didn't like. Well, Jen Psaki responded saying, we don't see it that way. They're displeased about it, referring to France. They're displeased about it, but we have a long abiding friendship with them that's going to endure. Yeah, it'll endure, but the black eye has to heal. And you just make us look stupid. You make it look like we can't communicate and deal with multiple allies at the same time. So Jim Psaki, in an interview with Gail King on a show that should be super duper friendly, right? Like Coffee with the Gals, CBS Mornings. Gail actually asked some serious questions, but she's careful, right? It's the morning show. It's a USA Today type reader watching. If you know the IQ of the average USA Today reader and what their target audience is, that's what you're dealing with with morning shows, right? Because they're going to go right from Gail King's interview with Jen Psaki, maybe even during the interview, ask Jen if she's had a pumpkin spice latte yet and what her favorite chili recipe is as we approach fall. That's the kind of stuff that Jen Psaki wants to answer on CBS Mornings. So this didn't make her happy. Sorry, Jen. It's a kind of serious job being the White House spokesperson. And, you know, being a woman is only going to get you get you so far. So I mentioned Michael Sussman. And we'll close with this story. And it's, it's almost funny. But if you remember this guy, Durham, who is an inspector general, this guy has been doing a taking forever investigation into the Department of Justice's investigation of the Russian collusion accusation. God, the whole hoax, which it was. And um, a federal grand jury in D.C. has handed an indictment based on what Durham found in his investigation of attorney Michael Sussman for making a false statement to the FBI. Essentially, this guy lied about server connections to a Russian bank or something. And so the indictment says that Sussman, who is based in D.C., requested a meeting with the FBI general counsel at FBI headquarters in September 2016. So this was a guy, this is a lawyer for the Hillary Clinton campaign. So you're going to read MSNBC, NBC, CNN, really try to cover for this guy Sussman. The timing matters. This was when the Clinton campaign was freaking out that Trump might have a chance. And so they were doubling down. And it didn't stop when he won the election on the Russian collusion narrative. And so this guy Sussman, who's a lawyer for Clinton's campaign, requests a meeting. And the FBI was led to think he was acting as a concerned citizen when, in fact, according to the DOJ, Sussman had assembled the information on behalf of clients, Hillary Clinton's presidential campaign, and a tech executive. Sussman had also previously represented the Democratic National Committee, too. So this guy shows up, hey, I'm just a regular dude, man. Got some information, um, you know, and and this is a big deal. You know, it in, involves a presidential candidate who I don't want to mention. You know, can you imagine how this guy dressed it up? This is a quote. Sussman lie, Sussman's lie was material because, among other reasons, Sussman's false statement misled the FBI general counsel and other FBI personnel concerning the political nature of his work. 
and deprive the FBI of information that might have permitted it more fully to assess and uncover the origins of relevant data and technical analysis, including the identities and motivations of Sussman's clients. Yeah, they, it would definitely be important if the interviewing FBI agents knew that the guy giving them this juicy detail of the Trump campaign, that guy works for the Clinton campaign. This is September 2016, folks. So this was an opponent sending an attorney in to get a uh, wag the dog situation. Because all they had to do was get the accusations out there and the good boys and girls of the media would run with it as they did. And it goes on, Michael Sussman was indicted today because of politics, not facts. That's what his attorney said. Really? Because Biden's administration is in charge. If they had any way to put any kind of pressure on the DOJ to kill this as a Democrat, they would. Trump's not president anymore, guys. This isn't political. The charges were bought by special counsel Durham, who was appointed by uh, former Attorney General Bill Barr in 2019 to probe the origins of the Russian investigation. This won't be the last of all the bullshit nonsense that led to all the bullshit nonsense that we had to listen about, and still some of the losers we know and wish we didn't cling to and will refer to Trump as Putin's puppet. Guess what? It's all falling apart. The The press will continue to bring up the Mueller report, Mueller report, that goofball who couldn't, after 18 months of being the fourth wing of government, of the hero that was supposed to do something about Donald Trump, couldn't even come up with anything other than some sort of like maybe it was obstruction. The dude had almost two years. But they're still going to tell you that that report says there's collusion. Nope. And you got a lawyer out there lying about it in the 11th hour of the campaign to try to save his bloated boss, Hillary Clinton, and he couldn't even do that. That's when they realized they had to do something for the election next time. They weren't going to let it come down to the issues because even when they had the media helping them with the Russian collusion narrative, Donald Trump still won. Really appreciate you guys listening. I'm sorry it took me a couple days to get back. I will be back tomorrow. Had a lot to cover. Hope I didn't overdo it. Thanks for listening. God bless. And we'll see you soon. Take care.